It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions every day of basketball and hockey playoffs. DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free for you to get a shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's game and track your results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network for Sunday, May 23rd. Ian Cameron, solo mission today, ready to break down the Sunday uh, NHL card. Um, I will not be on tomorrow's edition of the Ice Guys. It is my day to get my first COVID-19 vaccine shot. Uh, So that is taking place in the afternoon. There's a little drive to get there and back. So uh, as a result, no, uh, like it's almost unheard of. No, it is unheard of that I would dare miss a show. And if you know me well, you know I don't just do the Ice Guys show. I have sports betting shows on other platforms as well. And you all know that I rarely ever, ever miss a show. And I'm the Gabe Morency of the sports betting circles in that regard. And I learned that from him, uh, someone that I've known for a very long time who he never missed any one of his shows. Uh, But tomorrow we are going to miss the Ice Guys. and uh, but Jimmy will be here tomorrow because it's Monday. Uh, Alex B. Smith, who is still battling some foot pain today, uh, he's expected to be back tomorrow as well. So Alex and Jimmy will take you through the Monday edition of the show. I should be back Tuesday. The plan is one day to get all of this shit done, uh, recoup whatever uh, the case may be, uh, and then get back to business on Tuesday. So hoping to be back in the host chair for the Ice Guys show on Tuesday uh, and only miss Monday's show. So uh, let's get to Sunday. Uh, Before we actually get to Sunday, let's first talk about last night's action, Saturday's NHL action briefly. Uh, Yesterday we saw the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning take control, take command uh, of their series in the Battle of the Sunshine State uh, against the Florida Panthers. And look, if you're Florida, you're frustrated. You know, in that first period, you're seeing basically – Vasilevsky, play excellent. You're throwing a bunch of pucks at him. You're throwing a bunch of shots at him. You're getting the chances that you want uh, in that hockey game. You're really doing everything you're you're hoping to do, and that's carry the play, own the five-on-five war, and really they were. Early in the game, Florida 
was getting more five on five than Tampa Bay was. And yet Tampa Bay goes down the ice after a flurry by Florida. They, you know, Vasilevsky comes up big and Tampa Bay goes down the ice and puts the puck in the net on one shot. It basically happened that way twice for Tampa Bay's first two goals where Florida had all kinds of pressure. Tampa Bay comes down the ice, boom, they score one, nothing lightning Florida after the one, nothing goal pressures, the Tampa Bay net, a lot of chances on Vasilevsky, good offensive forecheck. They have the lightning hemmed in, uh, in their own zone. Tampa Bay comes, survives it, comes back down the ice. Boom. Puck is in the back of the net Two nothing lightning. I mean, that is just a demoralizing start to a hockey game. You're doing all the right things. You're getting pressure. You're getting chances. You're swarming the Tampa Bay net. And then all of a sudden, just one th- uh, rush down the ice for the Lightning, and they score both times. I mean, absolutely awful if you're Florida. And they really never recovered from that. And Tampa Bay uh, got uh, momentum and carried it through. And, of course, uh, not a very good day for Bobrovsky. Right after Joel Quenville gave him the ultimate vote of confidence after he relieved Drieger, uh, in game three, the game the Florida Panthers came back to win in overtime. And now you're in a bind if you're Joel Quenville. What do you do with your goaltending? You know, Bobrovsky, you pulled him. You didn't go back to him the last time he had a bad game. Do you go back to him now? I mean, after another really rough game by his standards, I mean, he just isn't making saves for it, at least not yesterday. But a lot of people were uh, critical of Joel Quenville saying he pulled or he basically took the starting job away from Bobrovsky too soon. Uh, I think at this point, look, I know he was terrible yesterday. just wasn't very good. You're almost painted into, backed into a corner here. You almost have to go back to him and, and hope for the best at this point. Look, you're, you're probably going to lose the series anyway. Like it's, it's very, very unlikely that I, that I see a scenario where the Florida Panthers could win three straight games in this series uh, against the Tampa Bay lightning and, and find a way to come back. Uh, but it, it to me, uh, I think now they're in a very difficult spot here. Uh, Coach Q is, and I think you just got to stick to Bobrovsky. You can't go back to Drieger. You're not going to put Spencer Knight in in a, an elimination game. You're just not going to do it to that young kid, even though he could thrive in that role. And I don't think he's going to be in awe of the moment if he got the call. I don't think you could do that to him. So Florida's got decisions to make. I think regardless of the goaltending decisions. It's a frustrating thing to, for them to be down 3-1. They could have won game one. Tampa Bay came back and won. They had an incredible start in game four yesterday, and yet every time Tampa Bay went down the, the ice, they scored with one shot, one chance, about as frustrating as it gets. Uh, but, yes, definitely uh, Florida in some trouble there. Uh, we saw the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, blitzed by the New York Islanders uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, I was kind of thinking, I, I shouldn't say that, I was thinking that was going to happen and pe- the Penguins were going to get run out like that. But I was worried that the Islanders would tie the series. I fit, fit, looked at it like a pretty decent spot. And by the way, do we need to see Zach Wilson on the camera a million times during the game yesterday, NBC? Like, okay, he's the quarterback of the Jets, his second overall pick. I get it. We don't need to see him every two seconds, all right? It's enough. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, they act like he's, you know, the president or something. They act like he's a... Uh, some big wig or something that we, we just got to pay attention to his every move sitting there watching a hockey game. No, we do not. Um, I, I didn't understand it, but uh, nevertheless, uh, he was there in attendance, obviously watching the game. We certainly uh, figured that out quickly the million times he was on camera, but uh, nevertheless, um, we've got a situation where the New York Islanders played a good game. Give him credit. 
threw pucks at the net. Perry Trotz said they really wanted to do that. They passed up shooting opportunities, he said, uh, in Game 3, which is hard to believe because they still scored four goals in that crazy Game 3, and they ended up losing 5-4. But he still said they could have gotten a few more pucks on net. They did that. Uh, and look, the big guns of the Islanders stepped up. Barzell had a good game. Beauvillier, Eberly was excellent. Uh, you got great performances from the blue line. You know, Pollock scores a big goal uh, on that Islander blue line. When they get offense from their defense, uh, that is a bonus for the New York Islanders. Very good performance. And now we've got a best, you know, essentially a best two, uh, best of three on our hands now. Series tied 2-2, and we go back to Pittsburgh for game five, which will be a very important uh, game five. Uh, in that series. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, they talked to it. Uh, everybody talked about it. Uh, every player to a man saying, uh, this one's for Johnny. Uh, win one for the Gipper. Uh, mentality took over for the Leafs. First game without their fallen captain who was involved in that absolutely awful incident uh, in game one. Uh, and the Leafs responded the right way. You know, you would they responded the way the Edmonton Oilers did not. And we'll get to Edmonton in just a second after losing game one. Much better performance from the Leafs. I'm, a, I'm incredibly frustrated, though. It was not a great betting day for me yesterday. And basically, the Leafs cashed every which way for betters last night, except for the the the, the bet that I made on the Leafs, uh, which was the first period puck line, which because it was only 1-1 after the first period. But... Uh, if you had regulation line, if you had money line, if you had puck line with the Leafs, you full game puck line, you won. So it was very, very uh, upsetting to me. Uh, for the yeah, I, I was basically on the Leafs, and the only way you could have lost with them last night, and that was taking them on the first period puck line. But I uh, nevertheless give the Leafs credit. Austin Matthews, what do we say? You almost, I actually really put a lot more money than normal on him to score a goal, and normally I don't do that with goal score props, but in terms of him going more than a game without scoring a goal it's rare he didn't score in game one sure enough he gets a goal and an assist for that matter two points on the night uh, in the uh, game two bounce back win for the Leafs just a much better game and lo and behold they got their power play going which was absolutely stunning uh, but the power play got rolling a little bit for the Leafs which was good to see power play that's been dreadful uh, the defensive game was outstanding uh, they kept Montreal to the outside uh, it was a much better all-around team game, and you could tell they they were locked in last night, the Leafs. Uh, that is the Leaf team we've seen most of the season. Now it's up to Montreal to respond. I think it's a very important next game because if you lose the next game, Montreal, you get the sense the series is slowly slipping away. So we'll see what kind of response here we've got uh, from the Montreal Canadiens. And keep in mind, these two teams are going to play game three and game four back-to-back. By the way, I, I got to mention it as well. It has to be a candidate for the worst challenge, coach's challenge that I've ever seen in the NHL last night. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Mark Bergevin and that moron next to him in the press box with the little walkie-talkie saying, we got to challenge this, Dom. We got to challenge this uh, goal here, this goalie interference. We got to challenge this. It's definitely going to be called back. I'm an idiot. I don't have a brain. I don't have two eyes. I can't f- figure out that that, was, that had nothing to do with goalie interference whatsoever. <laughs> There's a bad challenge, <laughs> but challenge it anyway. <laughs> you know, and his little walkie-talkie there. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know how someone could come up with a thought that that was goaltender interference. And I don't know if it was Bergevin, the GM. I don't know if it was that guy that was next to him in the press box, like I say, with the walkie-talkie, trying to communicate with the coaching staff, saying whether they should challenge that or not. Um, but, you know, 
to me, that was about as bad a challenge as I've ever seen. How on earth you could have seen called that goalie interference or thought that was goalie interference? Like the stick barely grazes Price. It did not, you know, it did not take away from his ability to move around and stop the puck. And Carey Price, did you see him react? Like, hey, he interfered with me. No, he just, you know, he drooped his head saying, hey, uh, that puck got past me. I probably should have stopped it. That should have been your first clue. You know, Carey Price didn't react, you know, angrily or or motion to the referees that, hey, that was goalie interference right away. Uh, and yet somehow, someway, Montreal challenged that. And it was a, a hideous challenge. They were not in a million years were they going to win that challenge. And yet somehow they did. Uh, everybody was scratching their head at why they decided to challenge that goal. And sure enough, of course, when you lose a challenge now, you get a penalty. Uh, and the Leafs got another power play after that, and they were very fortunate they didn't score on it. Uh, but just absolute, uh, absolutely moronic, uh, in my opinion, uh, by the Canadians to think to challenge that goal. And I don't know who's at fault, Bergevin or the guy. or I still blame Ducharme, and I said that on Twitter. I still blame Ducharme. Ducharme, the head coach, is the final word on that. He has the final say on whether to challenge something or not. He's got a brain, does he not? He has two eyes, does he not? He can see things. He's got the iPad right there on the bench, like uh, all the assistants have. The players, they have access to iPads and tablets and all of these things to be able to see replays uh, of goals, replays during the game. So you, you're telling me he couldn't have made up his own mind and say, you know what, Ber- Mark Bergevin, you're wrong. That, that That's not goalie interference. We can't risk challenging that. Can he not make up that his own mind himself to say that? You know, so that's why I I, I put blame on the coach there. He does have the final say, and he should have said, "I'm not challenging that." But that's not why they lost. They uh, Toronto was uh, much better in Game Two. They tie that series up, uh, and then of course, unfortunately, look, I'm not at all shocked that I don't see it. I don't have a uh, Terry Edelman sighting in the chat today. Uh, I know it's a tough day for him. Uh, I was expecting more from the Wild last night. I think a lot of us were. Um, They look like they're getting grinded into the dust right now by this Vegas Golden Knights team, which is big, which is strong, which is physical, which is a great tenacious forechecking team, which is very, which is rough on you. They, they wallpaper you against the boards. They're a physical group. Their defense is tough to get open ice against. And nobody knows that better than Kirill, the thrill Kaprizov, who's not given us any thrills in this series uh, so far for the Minnesota Wild, and Kevin Fiala, who are the two guys offensively that have carried the mail uh, all season long for the Minnesota Wild, and they just can't get open. They can't get time and space to do anything uh, on the ice right now against this Vegas team, and Marc-Andre Fleury continues to be just an unbelievable story that in his late 30s, he's playing this good uh, in net for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, we do. We, our, our thoughts are with you, Terry. I know it's a tough day. You know, you're now down 3-1, your team in the series. It's an almost impossible hole to claw, crawl out of against a team as good as the Vegas Golden Knights and defensively. Uh, I think that's the tough part. I mean, you could quibble about Vegas that they don't get a lot of offense from their bottom six forwards, and they rely a lot on Stone, who was great last night. Stone, by the way, both ends of the ice. I think he's one of the better two-way forwards. He's always one of the top forwards in the NHL in terms of leading the league in takeaways. He's just outstanding in terms of uh, stick position, active sticks, positioning, making sure uh, to intercept passes. Uh, he's just outstanding in that regard. Um, uh, absolutely. Uh, he's been excellent for the Golden Knights, especially the last couple of games. Uh, three to one in the series now for the Vegas uh, Golden Knights, and they will look to wrap it up in the Fortress in game five 
on Monday night. All right, so that was yesterday. Let's turn ahead to today and what to expect. Let's break down this Sunday card. Let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators. This is the first game, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Carolina minus 145 to minus 150. Road favorites, total five and a half shaded to the under uh, in this game. Uh, I'm on Carolina here uh, in two different fashions. I'm on Carolina minus a half goal, first period, plus 170. Uh, I think they jump out strong here. Tough loss the other night against Nashville in overtime. Give the Predators credit. You know, battled their way. It looked like they maybe had lost their grip on the game when Carolina tied it late 4-4 and that they'd have all the momentum, the Hurricanes, going into overtime. But Nashville hung in there, hung in there. Soros made the saves he needed. And in fact, Nashville, I thought, had the better of the play for more of the two overtimes than Carolina did. And then they finally get the Matt Duchesne goal. And look, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, who have been a bone of contention for me and criticism for a long time on this show, they finally stepped up and scored big playoff goals uh, in that win for the uh, Nashville Predators. Um, But this is Carolina's response game. Carolina has been in the box way too much the last two games. Rod Brindamore sounded off after the loss in overtime in game three, saying, we got to start getting some calls. He, He thinks the referee is uneven. And a lot of times what we see is when the coach publicly criticizes and condemns the ref or the officiating, sometimes you're going to see the officials in the next game go give that, you know, maybe give Carolina a few more of those 50-50 calls. I think what Rod Brindamore is saying is Nashville's getting all the 50-50 calls. We're not getting any of them. Uh, You can see maybe now after Rod Brindamore barking about, you know, the officiating in this series, particularly the last two games, that you might see the officials subconsciously try to give Carolina a better whistle uh, here today uh, in this game. They're still the better squad, deeper squad. Uh, I think Aho, Teravainen, Svechnikov, Trocek, Stahl, uh, that group, that core group of forwards has a much better game today. Uh, Nadelkovic is fine. I don't think that was his best game the other night, but he's still been excellent in this series. And if you're this is game three was the one game I thought, you know, if Nashville is going to take a game in this series, it's probably going to be that game. I, I don't think it's a panic situation for Carolina. I've always liked backing this team off a loss. Their uh, their record off a loss this season was exemplary. And I think it will be again here. So I'm going to do two bets. I'm going to split them up. See if Carolina, I'm going for the value here. Carolina first period puck line minus a half goal plus 170. Excellent price with that. And I'm also going to take Carolina money line minus 145. Again, money line. I'm not going regulation line. I'm not screwing around with potential of overtime in these games. Just give me the win. If they need overtime to get the win, so be it. I don't think they're, it's going to go to overtime today, but that's exactly why uh, I'm going to go with the money line. Pay up a little bit, minus 145 compared to the regulation line price. But uh, I feel a little bit more uh, insurance and a little bit more com- uh, comfort. Uh, with the money line as opposed to the regulation line. So first period puck line and full game money line for me with uh, Carolina here uh, in this game. And we've seen a series that's gone over, under, over. I could see this one maybe staying under, lean that way, uh, but I'm going to stick to just Carolina here. First period puck line and full game money line, minus 145. Colorado, St. Louis, Colorado minus 240. Road favorites, five and a half the total shaded to the over. Uh, This is an elimination game. Uh, obviously 3 nothing in the series for Colorado. St. Louis is just in an absolute world of hurt. They're, they're beaten up to shit right now on this blue line of theirs. Uh, they can barely field a, uh, a, a, a solid six 
defenseman right now with all the uh, absences uh, on this hockey team. It's un unfortunate because this team, even when fully healthy, going to have a tough enough time beating Colorado. And now you see Robert Bortuzzo, Vince Dunn, Justin Falk. They were already without uh, Carl Gunnarsson, of course, for the season. It's just a, a lot to overcome. Sideline with the upper body injury. Uh, Bortuzzo right now, it looks like, is doubtful at best to suit up here in Game 3. Uh, questionable for Game 4 is Vince Dunn. Justin Falk, of course, I don't think you're going to see him today. He's definitely the one. I wouldn't expect him after that hit he took from Kadri, which led to the uh, suspension for Kadri, uh, the uh, massive suspension that he got uh, in that game uh, for, uh, because of that hit on Falk. He won't play, so it's just a very, very thin St. Louis blue line. And Colton Pareko, who is playing, it's clear as day he ain't 100%. Okay, he is not fully healthy. He is, you can tell he's laboring, he's wincing, he, there's something bothering him. He's playing through, I think, one of the two injuries he's had earlier this season, and he's definitely not 100% effective uh, going into this game today. So, you know, I think St. Louis has definitely the kind of players that aren't going to roll over, and it's not been a matter of rolling over. They didn't roll over the other night. It's just Colorado's too much. You know, when you've got four lines of depth, when you've got six mobile blue liners, you've got Grubauer playing well, and you've got a Blues team that is riddled with injuries, especially on the back end, trying to defend this team that's got incredible speed, incredible four-line uh, offensive wave throughout their forward group, you're going to struggle. It's not a matter of we want they don't want it enough. I'm hearing Blues fans saying we don't want it enough this year. We've won our cup already. It's not a matter of want to, all right? You're beat up to shit. You can't defend this team. you got half your blue line out. Holy gosh, it's not a matter of want to or desire or we don't want to win a cup or we don't want to win this series. Stop going to that narrative when things aren't going well. Holy mackerel, that bothers me. You think they don't want to win? It's a Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a team that won a Stanley Cup. Did they not show you they wanted to win two years ago? It's not a matter of want to win. It's a matter of we don't have the personnel to, 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 to beat this team right now especially on our blue line, which is completely and utterly beaten the fuck up, depleted, shorthanded. It's got nothing to do with want to. And I thought some of the Blues fans would be better than that, smarter than that. It's not a matter of want to, guys. Your team is just, they don't have the speed of Colorado. Their average age on this team is over 30 years old. They've got a blue line that's got their fifth and sixth defensemen haven't even played for this team throughout the course of the season. You try trying to it's not a matter of we're not trying. It's we can't match up because we just don't have the horses in the stable right now. That's why you're losing. These guys want to win. You know, stop going to that. It's a lazy narrative. It's a lazy assumption. These guys want to win. You know, it's just they are completely um, up against it right now. They're banged up. They've got guys on the ice that aren't even 100%. I don't even think Tarasenko's 100%. We know he's had a ton of injuries this season. You know, and I don't even think he's at his best right now in terms of full health. You know, Tyler Bozak, another guy, he, you know, he's had injuries this season. There's a, a lot of guys that are, I'm sure, are banged up and feeling it on this team. And it goes without saying, Pareko is definitely trying to, you know, just 
patch his way through this series at less than 100% because of all the injuries on the blue line. Colorado's just the better team right now. The healthier team, the faster team, the deeper team. They've got a great blue line. St. Louis doesn't right now, and it's because of the injuries. That's why they're losing. It's not nothing to do with we don't want to win. It, nothing to do with that. I think it's over uh, today. Um, I'm just going to go back to Colorado team total over. I'm, I'm actually pissed I didn't bet. Well, I bet it live in game, but I'm pissed I didn't bet it full game because I was on it in every game. I was on it in game one. I was I bet it in game two. I, I didn't bet it in game three, but I am going to be on it today. Give me the Colorado Avalanche team total here uh, in this game. Uh, over uh, three and a half again is the team total. Uh, let me see what the uh, current price is on that um, with the uh, team total here on the Avalanche. Uh, Colorado team total uh, over three and a half minus 120. Pretty reasonable price. I like that. I'm on the Avalanche team total uh, over three and a half minus 120. I'm also on the full game over five and a half minus 120. And I'm also going to be looking to bet the third period over live early in the third period to try to get a better number and a better price at that time. Alex B. Smith not on the show today, but he made sure to uh, mention to me so I could pass it along to you. the viewers and listeners on the show today that he will be betting the third period over for both the Colorado St. Louis game and the Boston Washington game, both of them elimination games. And one of the angles we've talked about on this show, the last couple of seasons is betting elimination game overs in the third period. You know, the team that's trailing has got to go all out. They've got to push the attack. They've got to go for it. If they're down by a goal or two or even three, you'll see them pull the goalie with four or five minutes left. There are so many ways you can get a third period over the total uh, in an elimination game. So that angle begins today. And Colorado, St. Louis, Boston, Washington are the two games that fit that angle. So we'll see if that third period elimination game over trend uh, starts to pad our pockets and pad our wallets again starting today. Uh, Boston, Washington, Boston minus 135 road favorites, five and a half. The total here shaded to the under Uh, the Capitals. Look, um, their offense. I don't know what's happened to it. I have no idea, but it just it's broken right now. The five on five offense is not generating much. The power play has been listless for the Washington Capitals ever since game one uh, of this series. And I'm not necessarily sure what's going to change for them uh, at this point in time. Uh, they're just getting uh, checked, checked, checked into the ice. Uh, they're missing the net. They're, I think they're making life too easy on Tuka Rask. I'm seeing a lot of one and dones. I'm not seeing rebounds. I'm not seeing second and third chances. And that's a team that's not paying the price enough right now, Washington. Go to the front of the net. Make life difficult on Tuka Rask. Get those third, second and third chances. They're not doing enough of that right now uh, in this series against the uh, Boston Bruins. Um, we'll see. Washington is at home. Uh, this is a team that. You know, they did show, remember last year against the Islanders, I believe they uh, stayed alive in the one game and then they lost the the, the, the the game after that. So the first time they faced elimination in that series, um, they did win. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to take them at plus 115, even though they need to win. I'm not on either side. I'm not on Boston either. I've already got the Bruins in the series. So to me, and it's a pretty decent bet, um, because I like to get involved in the series bets a little bit more in terms of the amount than the game-to-game bets from a side perspective. So I don't want to add on. I'm already in a good position right now with uh, the Bruins in the series. Sticking with that, 
I think that's it's quite possible they could end the series tonight, but I don't want to shortchange Washington in terms of what they'll bring. They'll they've got to bring everything, including the kitchen sink. But I don't know. Uh, the offense looks there's something off. Oshi looks like he's playing through an injury. Kuznetsov has been unnoticeable, and that's kind since he's been back in the lineup. Uh, even Ovechkin, I think there's another gear for him. Uh, Backstrom's been quiet uh, in this series for the Capitals. Mantha has had a million chances. I'm tempted to bet him to score a goal tonight because he's had a million chances, but he just hasn't found a way uh, to find the net as of right now. Um, this is another game. Third period over. I'll be looking to bet it. Alex as well. Um, I do lean to the full game over. Uh, five and a half plus 110 because you could get 3-1. and th- if, if you're 3-1 with 10 minutes to go in the third period and you've got over five and a half, you're still feeling good. Because especially in a game like this, if let's say Boston's up three to one, you could get the floodgates opening. Washington's got to do, you know, pull the goalie extremely early down two, facing elimination. That's when you can get all of those late goal shenanigans happening. So uh, I never bet unders in elimination games anymore. Never. No interest. None. Zero betting unders in elimination games. Uh, so for me, it would be like a, like with the Colorado St. Louis game. Full game over, third period over, like this Boston-Washington game, full game over, third period over, especially uh, in this game. Uh, I'm passing on the side uh, in that one. Uh, Final game, uh, Edmonton Oilers, Winnipeg Jets, final game of this Sunday slate. Edmonton minus 135 road favorites, five and a half the total. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers have been a massive disappointment in this series through two games. The offense has done nothing. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have been shut down. At least Connor and Leon got some chances. I thought they were a little bit more noticeable and made a few more things happen in the offensive zone uh, in game two uh, in that one nothing loss in overtime to the Jets. But what can I uh, – Ryan Nugent Hopkins hasn't even done that. Like he's barely even gotten chances in this series, and he's been even worse. And with those three guys not doing much of anything, it gets to a point now where – when those guys are shut down the way they have, Edmonton has no chance of winning against anybody because that team is just so reliant on the Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl combination. Not so much Nugent Hopkins. I mean, uh, he's definitely the third wheel, but definitely when you see Leon and Connor shut down, uh, it is difficult uh, for the Edmonton Oilers to win games. Their defensive game, I think, has been decent enough. Mike Smith, how can you blame him? I mean, even on the Paul Stastny overtime goal, uh, in game two, which we were on the air during the betcast uh, to witness, um, you know, it was a through screen. I don't think Mike Smith tracked the puck until it was already past him. So, you know, it was a, it was unfortunate, but I think, you know, there's definitely way more faces and people to blame for what's going on with the Oilers through the first two games of this series than blaming Mike Smith for anything. Uh, so to me, you know, to me, this is just about the start for Edmonton. The one thing I'll say, we've seen this before. The two, the team down 2 nothing in the series has really been a good bet in the first period, uh, if not the full game. Uh, you know, St. Louis is the one exception against Colorado. St. Louis pushed the first period, and they lost the game. But we saw Florida first period cashed when they were down 2 nothing in game three, and they won the game as well against Tampa Bay, down 2 nothing in the series. We saw Nashville down 2 nothing against Carolina. They cashed in the first period, and they won the game. Um, I'm, I'm going back to Edmonton I'm because I know for a fact, if I don't bet Edmonton here in this spot today, 
this is going to be the game they end up winning first period and full game. So I got to be on board with that. Um, Edmonton in the first period and, and the full game. I understand the trepidation uh, for not wanting to take this team right now, but you know, you would think it's an empty the tank situation and they have played well in Winnipeg this year. If you actually look at the Oilers and the Jets during the regular season, Edmonton played well in Winnipeg for some reason. Um, so that's what I would go with here. Uh, Edmonton minus 120 first period and a smaller bet on the full game. I think the first period's the better target, though. I think that first 20 minutes, like if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and this Oilers team, which has had a great regular season, but a disappointing first two games in this series are worth anything. They're worth their salt. They have a strong throw everything at the net first period and just come out just, you know, firing as much as they possibly can early in this game. So uh, Edmonton first period, minus 120 for me, and the Edmonton Oilers full game as well. Uh, smaller on that, minus 135. Nothing on the total. Um, be careful with the under. I know like just because of the fact that we saw it with Vegas and Minnesota, right? Two low-scoring games in Vegas, game one and game two, and then game three, they shifted cities, shifted venues to Minnesota, and the floodgates kind of opened in terms of goals. I think there's a potential at least for that here with Edmonton and Winnipeg, the same thing uh, as well. And yes, Nikolai Ehlers for the uh, Jets. And that's the thing. Jets are getting healthier too. So that, that, that always worries you, worries you if you're uh, Edmonton that uh, now Nikolai Ehlers, one of their best forwards is going to be back here for the Jets uh, in game three tonight. Uh, but Edmonton's got to have this game. Simple as that. I'd expect their absolute best in the first 20 minutes so I, I like it. It's basically an 80%, 20% split here for me. I like 80% of my bet there on the first period with the Oilers, minus 120, and a smaller percentage on them for the full game. That's going to wrap it up for the Sunday card. We'll get to best bets in just a second. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. A reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. Great time of year. NHL, NBA playoffs, MLB daily. Uh, when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you sign up for an account, you'll get a deposit bonus, weekly specials, weekly incentives, bet boosts, all of that and more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, and use the promo code THPN. All right, it is time for best bets here to uh, wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Uh, best bet for me, um, let's make it early. Uh, let's see if we can cash a winner before dinner. Carolina Hurricanes, I'm going to go with the money line, minus 145. I'm seeing this price rise now. I'm seeing the minus 150 and even higher now in a lot of spots. I got in at minus 145. Carolina Hurricanes, they get the job done today, this afternoon against Nashville uh, in game four, and I believe they take a 3-1 series lead in this series. Rod Brindamore, critical of the refs after game three. I'd expect to see a few more power plays come Carolina's way today as they look to even it out just a little bit. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, minus 145 against the Nashville Predators. That's my best bet for this Sunday uh, NHL slate. And that'll wrap up this edition of the show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. A reminder, you can check out the Ice Guys seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, you can download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. Uh, I'm Ian Cameron. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games and good luck on this Sunday. And we'll be back again tomorrow on Monday. Alex and Jimmy will, I should say. They'll be back with you 
tomorrow to take you through the Monday show right here with the Ice Guys. They'll talk to you right here Monday with the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.